0: how many guys went to grandma's house for thanksgiving let me just see all right a couple of you because you know grandma can cook well um it actually today is actually my mama's birthday can we give her a little bit of love where'd she go she stepped out how dare her step out she's doing grow track there you go number four And uh, and so we celebrated. Let me tell you what my mom did for her uh, 69th birthday with my pops being in his 70s. Uh, They went and played pickleball for the first time. Got out there on a pickleball court. It was a sight to behold. Yep, all the other players were mad that they kept hitting the balls in their courts every other serve. But it was a fun time. I was so proud of them getting out there. And uh, for that age bracket, getting out there and showing youthfulness is a mentality what it is and so my parents carry that and i love them so dearly and so i'm just getting back from columbia thank you guys for all your prayers an amazing time uh and no i do not speak spanish but i have translators and so they did a good job spoke to thousands and thousands of people started helped a church plant get going and spoke at a bible school so we did a lot in seven days we were ministering like crazy i heard pastor jonathan did a great word uh it was a great word can we clap for him as well so proud of you pastor jonathan and so um, so, as we jump in today, I do want to give you a little bit of a heads up. So if you've got your calendar on your phone, mark these with me for a moment. Uh, we decided since uh, both Christmas and New Year's falls on a Sunday. So our team's been working for the last four or five months, like, what do, how do we want to present the, the ministry um, uh, of, of Jesus to our people and to the world we always have visitors we always are looking to see people come to Christ and so uh, because on Christmas Day is a Sunday we're going to back up and we're going to have Christmas Eve services okay so we will not have a Christmas day service so we'll do a Friday night Christmas Eve and a Saturday to Saturday Christmas evening services uh, so that you can be with family and I want you to be able to plan your your Christmas times with your children and your grandchildren and your moms and dads and your grand- grandparents be able to plan that around that. So we'll do Friday, Christmas Eve Eve, and then we'll do Christmas Eve Saturday. We'll do two services right here at this campus and then of course at the Mansfield campus, they'll do a Saturday Christmas Eve service and then uh, of course those will be presented online. And then Christmas, uh, excuse me, New uh, Christmas Day, I want you with your family. I want you being with your family. I want you praying with your family. I want you in your pajamas all day long. Whatever you should do because we believe first and foremost that God created family. That's what he created. Then he created churches, all right. So, but we all are family unit first and foremost, and so of course after Thanksgiving you may say, Pastor, please don't make me go back and be with my family. But I'm believing that the second round you'll do, you'll have even better times. But and then and then New Year's Day. Is as well on a Sunday, and uh, and I know how many of you guys like to travel and be with friends and things like that, so New Year's Day, we're all going to be online, so we have been preparing an online service for all of us, so our online campus already is like, well, this is where we live already, so they'll already be comfortable, but we'll do a full service online New Year's uh, New Year's Day um, at the 10 a.m., 10.30 mark, and then also at the, um, excuse me, at the 9 and at the 10.30, 10, excuse me, 9 and 11 marks, sorry. Right. We'll, we'll have those uh, broadcasting to us then, and we put a lot of effort and energy into it so that, again, we want you with your family. We want you to be around people. We want you to invite people over so they can see and hear what God is doing in our midst and, um, and so that they could be. You know, Paul said it like this. He said, to those who don't want to serve God, he said, let's make them jealous. Let's provoke them to jealousy because of how good God is being to us. Let's let them see that. And so I would encourage you to have uh, bring people with you to our Christmas Eve services. Uh, family members and co-workers and friends, and then as well at our Christmas, uh, excuse me, our New Year's Day service online, so you can have them watching with you. pull, Pull it up on your Roku and just go to town with us. Amen. Isn't that good? So everybody knows what those are now. You'll see more announcements about it, but I wanted you to hear it out of my mouth first and foremost. You ready to get in the Word today? Say Yes. You can do better now. Are you ready to get in the word today? Say yes. yes. Amen. Now, if you throw out some Espanol, I might, I might recognize it. So in any moment, if you want to say Gloria Adios, I'm going to catch that. I'm, that's where I've been. I've titled this today, The Lion, the Bear, and the Giant. The Lion, the Bear, and the Giant. We're going to be taking uh, most of our, the ministry from the passage of 1 Samuel chapter 17 today. We're going to be looking um, at this moment with David. And kind of draw from him some, and then this experience here, uh, you know, some thousands of years ago, and what God was doing in him and what God's doing in us. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 17, um, what happens is David um, is sent by his dad. dad. Dad sends him because there's a battle going on between the Philistines and the Israelites. They have drawn battle lines, they're facing each other, and for days they've been at a stalemate not attacking each other because the Philistines have sent out this great giant, you know him as Goliath, those of you that know the scriptures, and Goliath has been yelling across the battle lines, how about instead of us fighting and losing hundreds of men, how about you send your great warrior? I'm the great warrior for the Philistines and whoever wins that other group will serve the one who's victorious and so this has been going on for days David is sent by his dad to bring supplies to his older brothers as young David shows up to the battle there's all of a sudden there's uh, this this giant comes out and begins to curse the people of God begins to curse Jehovah God and David is riled up inside of him he's a young man he's probably about 15 years of age at this point and uh, and as he's standing around he goes are we gonna let let this, this idiot do this? And let's pick up now in verse 26. David asked the men standing near him, it's 1 Samuel 17, What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And David says, Listen, guys, are we gonna let this guy do this? What's gonna be let, let me say this: if somebody does something, what will happen? what what, what will happen and they go on to say oh man the king's gonna king's gonna give you riches the king of israel will make probably let you marry his daughter i mean you'll be in the royal family you'll go from a nobody to a somebody overnight and david's like sign me up his brother's standing there who's a great warrior and he goes how you big idiot what are you talking about you little kid get out of here because he's embarrassed because he's been standing there for days and he's not rose up, and none of his other brothers have, none of the Israelites have. But little David shows up for this thing and he's enraged. He's infuriated that this wicked enemy of the people of God is going to curse God and curse the armies of God. And he says, Listen, we need to do something. I'll do something about it. And Saul hears about some dude who's talking about he'll go fight him. So he calls him into his tent, and here stands little David in front of him. And, and Saul says, Listen, I hear that you're saying you want to go kill the giant, and let's pick up now in verse 32 of first samuel 17 it says david said to saul let no one lose heart on account of this philistine your servant will go and fight him verse 33 saul replied you are not able to go out against this philistine and fight him you are only a boy and he has been a fighting man from his youth but david said to saul everybody say but david Said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, verse 35, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Verse 36. Verse 36 your servant has killed both the lion preposition the the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. the Lord will deliver me from the will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine verse Saul, uh, and then the rest part of this verse Saul looks back and he says do excuse me, go, and the Lord will be with you. This kid is so fired up and has something coming off of him that the king goes, all right, buddy, go do what you're going to do. Do this thing. David acknowledges that he's a great, that the Philistine is a great fighting man, that the giant is is abnormally huge, big, strong, and a warrior since his youth. He doesn't discount that. He says, but let me tell you something. I have been faithful watching the sheep, and in that process, what has happened, I've been attacked by a lion, I've been attacked by a bear, and, and God gave me strength over them, and he'll do the same thing with this old wicked Philistine. Listen to me. Today, I want to empower you with the understanding you have great potential inside of you, but we got to get that thing unlocked and get it moving. You have giant killing ability inside of you, but let me tell you something. Things have locked that down. COVID has locked that down. Uh, uh, you know, co- uh, vax no vax, Trump, no Trump, BLM, with this, all this precious stuff has locked down, and there is greatness in you that has to come out, and it's time to kill some giants and it's time for you to come into your royal position as as the king that god has made you to be the queen god's made you to be but we got to unlock this potential and we can learn from what david is experiencing right here and right now there were two reasons that david was able to kill that giant because if you'll keep reading he goes and gets his little five, little smooth stones. Come on, you guys all know this from Sunday school back in the day. You, if you're new to Christ, maybe you don't know what happened thousands of years ago. But this boy takes his little sling, he gets him some, some stones, and he stands out there on the battlefield. Can you imagine? All the guys are like, oh, is that what we're sending out there? you got to be kidding me. Goliath comes out. I think the scripture records him as almost 10 foot tall. So if you can dunk a basketball, you could touch the top of his head. And so, and so he's standing out there and he's cursing again and little David walks out. The Bible records that he says to him, how dare you defy the living God? And, the, and, and Goliath gets so mad, he says, are you gonna send me this little dog out here to fight against me? I will rip his head off and spit down in his neck. Sorry, that was a 70s term that we used in school. And rip his arm off and beat him with the bloody end. You didn't ever tell your kids that, right? Come on, good Christian people. All right, there you go. And David says, how dare you? And in this day, the Lord will give you into my hand. And David starts that little sling, woo, 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 and he lets that rock fly. And the Bible records that it hits, hits him in the head, hits the Philistine. He's got armor on. He's got shield bearers. He's got spears. Hits him in the head, knocks him down on the ground, knocks him out cold. David does not hesitate. He runs over. All the Philistines are like, David runs over, picks up his sword and starts hacking at, the, at this giant's throat until he gets his head lopped off and now all of a sudden he grabs the head and he raises up, pointing back to the Israelites, roar, like that. And all the Israelites go, roar, like that. And they take off running and attack the Philistines and the Philistines take off and fleeing for their lives. And from that moment forward, guess what happens to David? David's the man. You want to talk about Twitter went crazy. You want to talk about social media blowing up. You want to talk about today at the battle lines, guess what happened, ladies and gentlemen. And, and he's on the late night shows. Yeah, I was just standing there and I was doing a little thing. It was unbelievable. You know, I can't believe it. Jimmy, you won't believe it. It's unbelievable. With early morning talk shows. Yeah, I was just, you know, the Lord and power of God. He is the most famous person in, in Israel. He went from a nobody to somebody in a moment. Why? Because in the moment, he killed the giant. Yeah. Two reasons. Well, he was able to kill that giant, number one, because he was in position for the opportunity. He was in position. I want you to pay attention to that. He was in the right place at the right time. He was positioned for such a time as this. Here's the second reason he was able to kill that giant, and that is because he had courage to accomplish the task. Now, I want to take you down a road today. I want to help you in two areas. I want to help you get in the right position so that you can kill your giants and so that God can bring that great potential out of you, but I also want to help you build the courage so that when you're in that moment, you don't walk away from it. Because his brothers were in that moment too, but they didn't have the courage to do what needed to be done. They were also in a right position, but they couldn't take advantage of it. Let's talk about number one. How do you get in the right position? How do opportunities come to you? How do opportunities come to you? Number one, they come to you. They are the result. Number one, they are the result of being obedient to leadership. Of being obedient to leadership. It's a result of our obedience to leadership. I'm just telling you. David's daddy told him, hey, I want you to go take this cheese and these sandwiches over to your brothers. He could have been like, dad, I got so much to do. Send one of the servants. I'm busy right now. I ain't got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. But he doesn't do that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, whatever you have need of me. Multiple times throughout all of these passages, you find that David goes, yes, sir, I'll do it. Yes, sir, I'll do it. Saul asked him to do something. Yes, sir, I'll do it. He understood obedience because he understood that all authority has been placed by the Lord. That's what Scripture says. And that God puts even people over us that sand off the rough edges that may not be godly, that may not even be full of character and integrity. But in our obedience, unless they ask us to do something unscriptural, illegal, or immoral, uh, in in that obedience, God moves. God does supernatural things in our obedience. Why? Because what's happening is you're developing something. You're becoming someone. You're becoming a person that God can trust. And the Holy Spirit's constantly trying to get us to obey, constantly get us. And when you and I submit to our leadership, when we say, yes Lord. Listen, yes, Lord, I'll do it. Yes, Lord, I'll do it. Lord, I'll pray for that person right now. Yes, Lord, our church is asking us to help help with the homeless. Yes, Lord, we'll do it. Our church, our leadership's asking this. My husband's asking me this. My wife's asking me to do this. As we, as we surrender ourselves and our will, this is what's wrong with the generation coming up is that we've not taught them to obey leadership. And this is why we have such conflict going on. Because we don't understand this beautiful, simple principle. Years ago, this church only met on Sunday nights. Only met on Sunday nights. Could not grow, weren't seeing people saved. And my pastor came in town. I said, can I meet with you? He said, absolutely. So I met him. He, he, brought, he brought a bunch of leaders. He was, he was here for, he just came in like on a vacation moment to take a bunch of pastors uh, to one of the um, baseball games at the, at the Ranger Stadium. I said, I'll meet you at the Ranger Stadium. I don't care. He said, okay, well, because I'm here for a game, but then we're, we're flying back out. I said, great. Met him up there, pulled him aside. We set up against a wall. There's gum all on the ground. I mean, this guy's got a 20,000-member church. He's been my pastor since I was a young man. I sat down with him. I said, hey, I, I, I don't know what to do. He goes, tell me what's up. I said, well, we have planted the church. I've been obedient. I, I, I've killed everything else I was doing, traveling, ministering, running a Bible school. I'm just doing what God told me to do. I said, but, but it's not growing. It's not happening. I don't know what to do. And he goes, tell me what you're doing. I said, well, we're meeting on Sunday nights because we can't find a building, can't get a Sunday morning service. He goes, you need to start meeting on Sunday mornings. At that point, I was kind of opposed to Sunday mornings because I was opposed to the organized church concept. I was opposed to people just coming, sitting in services and hearing good messages and getting a latte and going home and not, not being changed and not really being a disciple. So Sunday night afforded us, if you, wanted to be, if you wanted to be a part of our church, you wanted to be a part of the church because who's gonna come out on a Sunday night? And so I was really, that was kind of a mentality that me and the leaders were in here at Hill City. And I just said, Pastor, I don't know. I mean, that kind of opposes what we feel like God told us to do. He goes, listen to me. Do you want to win lost people? Do you want to help win Americans to Jesus? I said, yes, sir, I do. He goes, then you need to meet on Sunday mornings. And I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He wasn't even here. He doesn't even live here. But I said, yes, sir. I've submitted myself to your authority. And if you say that, then I'll go do it. Friend, in a matter of months, things began to break loose for us because we said we're going to meet on Sunday mornings we got to get a building we got to get a bill this building came available we started meeting on Sunday mornings. we doubled and tripled within the first year that we started meeting on Sunday mornings why because I said yes sir you wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be here if I wouldn't have been obedient to my pastor in that moment. He didn't try to dictate to me. He's not trying to dominate me. But he, but God uses those in the leadership over us to bring us into perfect places for opportunities to kill our bears and our tigers and our lions and our giants. Are you with me? Say yes. It's because I was in right position that we were able to do a great impact in this city. And here's a second way you get opportunities coming to you. And they are the number two. They are the result of faithfulness to your assignment. They're the result of faithfulness to your assignment. What's your assignment? What has God assigned you to do? There's a group of people right now in the other room doing our grow track. That's their assignment. They've assigned themselves. We've assigned them as leadership. They said, yes, we're called to do that. And they're in there training people and telling them about the vision of the church and helping them find out their spiritual gifts and helping find their connection in the body of Christ because we're all a part of the body, fingers, toes, kidneys. And if we're not plugged into the body properly, then we don't operate properly. The blood doesn't flow through us. And so we've got to get the, we've got to get plugged into the body. That's what Romans chapter 12 teaches us. And so there are people right now in their assignment. There are people that are standing at that front door being kind and nice and gracious when you walk in. They have an assignment. There are people that every day they go to work because that's their assignment from the Lord, and they're faithful to their job. There's the, uh, faithfulness to the assignment. David was faithful. Can i just help you understand something david was 10 years old somewhere around that scholars are back and forth is he 10 was he 10 was he 11 12 they can't really get the exact date but they believe he's about 10 years old when samuel the prophet heard from god god said i'm not dealing with saul anymore he's disobedient to me i'm looking for an obedient kid to be my next king of israel he said go to the house of jesse and so samuel goes to the house of jesse and he says jesse he's covert he's like listen because the prophet has showed up it's a big deal and he says, hey, listen, God told me one of your sons is going to be the next king. Bring them in front of me. Let me see which ones. They, and, and Jesse began to bring all of these boys, all these men, these young men, that, that his sons, his strapping boys. And every one of them, God said, no, no, no. And he gets to the last one and he looks at Jesse, do you have any more? He goes, well, I got the little one. But he, all, all we have him doing, he's just a sheep watcher. It's the worst job that you could have. That's, 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 that's cleaning toilets. He's that guy. And, and like, we don't trust him with a whole lot because he's young and, and, you know, they've got all these great leaders already. I mean, he was captain of the football team. He's captain of this, that, and the other. And, and so, yeah, that, this kid's just out watching the sheep. He's just bringing him in. As soon as he gets there, the Lord says, that's the one. And he anoints him as king. When he's 10 years old, he's anointed. He is called by. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if, if all of a sudden earth stands still and God sends a prophet to you and says, you're going to be the next president of the United States? You're like, let's go, Jesus anoints him as king, but what does he do from 10 to 15 when he kills the giant? What's he doing for those five years? You know what he's doing? Watching sheep. That was his assignment. He was faithful to his assignment. Guess what happened while he was watching sheep? A lion came, or as he said, the lion came. Then guess what happened? Then a bear came. Why? Because he had opportunity to grow and mature, to be able to face a giant one day. He had to first be able to face the lion and the bear, but he would have never gotten to a lion and a bear had he not been faithful to his assignment. He'd have never met a lion and a bear if he was doing accounting work. If he was doing uh, how to get your nails done so you can look like a good king. If he was in the middle of speech classes every day. Are you tracking with me? He was faithful to what he was assigned to do. This is why some of you never get great opportunity because you've not been faithful to your assignment. And you jump from assignment to assignment as it looks pretty and as it looks sexy. And you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And you jump from place to place to place to place. But the Bible says it like this. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faithfulness on the earth? That's what he's looking for. He's not looking for anointing. He's not looking for giftings. He's looking for faithfulness because it's in faithfulness that opportunities come to you. And because you haven't been faithful to something when it gets old and stagnant and you don't like it anymore, you're not faithful to it. Because you don't do that, you don't have the opportunities. You you abort your opportunities to kill lions and bears so that one day you can kill a Goliath so that you can then be king or queen one day. And so there's this whole process that you're missing because you're not faithful. Antioch. Paul was by far the greatest theologian of his time in Christendom. And yet he's just faithful at Antioch. This thing exploded, and there's all these lost people getting saved, and Paul's over there helping them come into Christ. and, And Barnabas is alongside of each other, and they're getting it done when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, Now separate Paul and Barnabas to the work for which I've called them. They were being faithful. When they said, okay, now bring them out so their apostolic calling can go forward, and they're going to go plant churches, and they're going to go win the lost, and, 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 and Gentiles are going to get saved because of this work. Call them out of that now because they've been faithful in doing something that wasn't sexy and cool. They were faithful day in and day out just making disciples there in Antioch. So when they got on the road and they started planting churches, they could say, you know, this reminds me like what we did with, with Demetrius. When Demetrius had to overcome that thing, bro, you're going through the same thing because they had killed their lions and their bears in the midst of faithfulness. Faithful, faithful. Remember in Karate Kid? Y'all Remember Karate Kid? Wax on, wax off, wax on, paint the fence. And he comes to him, he goes, all you've been doing is making me clean your cars and paint your fences. No paint fence. Paint fence how? Paint fence, paint fence wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off, oh, the whole time you were being faithful, you were being trained to overcome the giant that you're going to face, and only after you've waxed on, wax off, can we teach you the flying crane, but you can't get to that yet, let's go 80s folks, come on, I love that, let's go, here's the Third result, or how you get opportunities to come to you. Number three, they're the result of self-sacrifice. They're the result of self-sacrifice. David said, when that lion came, he said, I chased it down. It took one of my my daddy's sheep. I chased him down. I didn't care about my own life. You know, he could have easily just went and said, Dad, listen, it's just a part of doing business. You're gonna lose sheep. Just tell you, wouldn't you rather lose a sheep than me, your son? But he put his life on the line when the bear came. Can I just say this to you? The Bible doesn't record it, but it would have to be assumed. You don't fight with a lion and a bear without getting some scars. Yeah. Good. He didn't walk away from that without, without any. That bear turned. He says he grabbed him by the hair. He, that, what do you, have you ever seen the bear claws? That joker sliced him a couple of times. You know he did. You know that lion got a hold of that forearm and bit him. He got some scars on that thing. But he killed him. With the power of God and the presence of the Lord, why? Because He was willing to sacrifice all. This is the problem that we're seeing now: is that you're not getting your opportunity to kill a, a to kill a, a giant because you haven't killed your lion and your bear because you haven't self-sacrificed to a place where you say, "You well, know, I, I care more about the things of God, about the sheep of God, than I care about my own promotion, than I care about my own validation. I just I just want to see people love. I just want to see people come to Christ. This is the reason why we see an expanding LGBTQ community because we've never told. Them how much God really loves them. We're not really willing to sacrifice our lives to see them come into the saving knowledge of Jesus. So they're out there deceived and hurting and full of pain. So that yes, they're choosing all these o- other choices. Why? Because they don't know about a God who created them, has a plan and a purpose for them. Because we don't want to, oh, that's gross. I don't, I don't know about that. Oh, I'm not sure about people with problems and drug addicts. Oh, oh that's not safe for my children and my family and that kind of thing. When you and I start self-sacrificing ourselves for the sheep, that's when you'll start seeing miracles after miracles after miracles after after miracles. This is what David saw. That's why he could stand there as a 15-year-old and say, let me tell you something. This giant ain't going to be nothing. I've already killed a bear. I've killed the bear and the lion. The ones who came for my life. They could have ended my life very early and short-circuited everything, but I was willing to lay down my life for the cause of what my dad put me in charge of. I was willing to lay down my life. And in the midst of all of this engagement with the king, king says, go do you, go do you, boo. Wow. Why? Because the king had never killed his lion. He had never killed his bear. Because he had had shortcuts to the position that he was in. That's why he didn't have character and integrity when he got there. That's why God rejected him and picked five years earlier this little boy named David. The question is, when When you're, when you're there on the side of the road at that accident, will you even have the courage to lay hands on that person who's bleeding out and probably will be dead before the ambulance gets here? Will you have the courage to speak to that one who's, who's throwing up vile lies and have truths in front of everyone? Will you even have the courage to swing your little sling and let the rock go? Will you even have the courage to go and dig out the rocks out of the little spring? Put yourself in a position where everyone's either going to laugh at you or cheer for you. There's not a whole lot going out of this. He either fails miserably or he succeeds greatly. Will you even have the courage. So I want to teach you biblical sources of courage so you can have. I want you to be so full of courage that when your moment happens, when you're standing in front of your line, your bear, let's go, baby, let's go let's go and when you finally stand in front of your great giant that's going to propel you to the place that God's called you to be in when you stand in that moment you won't have fear doubt and unbelief that causes you to, I can't tell you I have been in this thing long enough to listen there are guys that were in my youth group when I was a young person that are a hundred times better preacher than me and I'm pretty good better looking than me which is a big deal smarter than me, seriously smarter than me, come from families that had, had, had lots more money than we did. But they never swung for the fence when they had the moment. Why? Because they didn't have the courage. Jamie and I are just dumb enough to keep swinging for the fence, but we have courage that comes from a supernatural place. I want you to learn these courage points. Write them down. Here's the first biblical source of courage that we see in scripture, and that is number one, the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit. Because 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. Here's my question to you. Is the Holy Spirit so burning inside of you? Is the person of the Holy Spirit so enraging inside of you? And and I don't mean to use the word enraging, but just raging in fire of the glory of God. He said, Pastor, you know, I I have a little bit of the Holy Spirit, I think, and you know, I feel convicted here or there. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what happened to Peter who denied Jesus multiple times, three times, but he gets there on the day of and the Holy Spirit comes down upon every one of them in this room, and all of a sudden, he's now standing in front of thousands. By the way, every one of these believers in the New Testament were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they moved in great courage and power. Every one of them, Stephen, Philip, all of them, all of them listed. So I I would encourage you, I'd encourage you. He said, Pastor, I don't know the Holy Spirit like that. And this is why we do encounters every quarter. We get in this room, we just say, Come, Holy Spirit, teach us you, show us you. I don't want to be a half developed Christian. The gift that Jesus promised, He said, And ye shall receive. Acts 1 and verse 8, and ye shall receive power after which the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's always been about you and I have power to overcome sin, uh, overcome our fleshliness, overcome the wickedness of this old world, the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you. I was a good nominal Christian until I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and the power of God began to come through me and transform me and do works in me that I never knew could be possible. And I promise you, do not live a limited Christian walk when you can have power flowing through you. So I challenge you, I encourage you. You say, I don't know if I believe about that. Good, you've got a Bible like everybody else. Go read, go find it, go research it. Be careful who you listen to on YouTube. Number two, here's a second biblical source of courage and that is the words of God. The words of God. This is why I keep listening to and memorizing the words of God. I keep doing that till I believe in myself. Because look what Psalms tells me. Psalms 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's easy to say on Sunday. How about when you're in a a traffic and all of a sudden you get in this heated engagement with some dude in in a a 250 with his windows tinted. And you know he's got a shotgun underneath that seat or on the back behind it. And all of a sudden your wife's going, don't do it. Stop it. Stop it. It's easy to believe that he's my shield and my buckler when I'm sitting in church and nobody's about to attack me. It's a lot different when you've got yourself in something stupid. I can remember being out at the abortion clinic begging ladies not to kill their babies. Begging them, please don't kill your baby. That baby has purpose in life. The Bible says that before the foundations of the earth, he picked each and every one of us. That life is special. Please, we'll help. We'll do whatever we can. We've got houses we'll put you in. We've got, we'll, we'll, we'll feed you. We'll take care of you and your baby. We'll help you. I'll never forget one day this guy gets out of his car with his girlfriend. They've got a, a two-year-old with him. He jumps out of the car, and I'm back, hey, hey, sir, please, man, don't let your little lady go in there and, 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 and kill that baby, please. I'm, I'm, I'm from here to the front row talking to him, and this good dude gets enraged. Don't nobody talk to my lady like that. Bro, I'm not trying to disrespect you, bro. I'm just, listen, life is precious. God created humanity. He loves us. He has a plan for that child. I know maybe it's difficult for you right now, but, and he starts cussing me up one down some. He said, I got something for you. And he goes and reaches under the seat of his car and he, didn't, he couldn't find his gun. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you don't have a prayer language, you'll get one right there. You will make up one. Peanut butter jelly, peanut butter jelly. I mean, you'll make up something. I mean, I was like, Jesus. And he goes, "I, right, I got something for you. And he throws the two-year-old in the car, and, and he sends his girlfriend on into the abortion clinic. And he runs. He drives off. I'm looking around. I think my time is done. <laughs> done all I can do for the kingdom of God. I stand out, talk to one or two more people that are pulling up. And I go to walk off, and, man, he comes in the parking lot. And he jumps out, and he's got, it, he's got it right back there, like like you know how to keep it, right? And uh, <clears throat> which, by the way, this is not a church you want to um, do damage in. There's a lot of people carrying in Texas. Uh, anyway, he's got that thing right there, you know, and he gets out. And he's cussing me from across the street. He's cussing me. I'm about to put one in you right here. Do you understand? He's cussing me up and down. And I'm just like, man, in the name of Jesus, I love you, man. In the name of Jesus, I love you. And, and, and man, I feel the glory of God telling me. I feel the courage of God. Don't leave. Stand right there. Stand right there there like this is it lord let's go heaven is where i'm trying to get to anyway let's go and uh all of a sudden the two-year-old walks out in the middle of the boulevard he doesn't see him and the cars are coming and they're speeding through and they're looking at him you can see the drivers looking at him and me they don't see the kid and all of a sudden i yell out your kid's in the road he stops what he's doing he runs on the road he grabs and dives out the way as the cars go and uh and he was freaked out i'm freaked out i said listen i love you and there ain't no reason to have violence here today. God loves you. And it just calmed him. He just, the spirit of the Lord came on him. You know, and he got in his car and he drove off. And I'm just standing there like, well, my work here is done. <laughs> that courage didn't come from me because I had you know, intellectual prowess. It came from I had the spirit of the living God telling me to stand there and be who I'm called to be. And if it ends in death, it ends in death. Here's a third biblical source of courage and that is a god-sent friend a god-sent friend how many have had a god-sent friend ever in your life helped you out a little bit got you some courage going the scripture says in first thessalonians 5 and 11 the apostle encourages he says therefore encourage one another build each other up just as in fact you're doing how about proverbs 18 24 a man who has a friend must himself be friendly that's why some of you don't have friends must himself be friendly but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. God sent, there's another passage, uh, scripture says, literally, was born for adversity. There's a friend that was born for adversity. That God gave that person in life because one day they would be there for you when you were going through hell on earth. God has, God sent friends for you and you've got to find them. You've got to stay in relationship with God has put God-set friends. Hey, listen, some of you right now, you're married to a God-sent friend. And instead of constantly tearing him down or tearing her down, you need to build them up. Build them up. Listen, you can do so much damage by just being stupid with your words. Build them up. Look at them and say, listen, that woman wakes up every day and says, you're the greatest in the world. I'm the greatest in the world. You're the best preacher. I'm the best preacher in the world. You're the great. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. Let's go. Why? Because she's constantly building. Up. why because she don't want to live the rest of her life with a weakling she has the power to build me up or tear me down I tell people all the time you see a wife who's all beat down and looks terrible and is not pretty it's because that husband's beat her down because he can build her up, make her look beautiful, make her have courage and power, or he can tear her down with his words, vice versa. You see an old hen-pecked husband, he just sits there like, whatever, you know, if I say anything, it ain't going to be right anyway. So anyway, you know, she has done whipped him so bad with her words that he has no courage to do anything. And one day he builds up enough courage and he walks away. And so you and I have to understand, we have the ability to build one another up. Each and every one of us. Need a friend that'll be there in that moment. And that, listen, I don't know about you, but I had coaches that were God sent. God sent coaches. And in my development, when I was a young man who were there, just, just tell me, you can do that. Come on, you can, you can be better than that. You can be better than that. You can, be, you can go beyond that. In fact, I found a story of somebody that I'd like to tell today that had a God sent friend they changed their lives, and I thought I would tell it, but then I just don't tell it as well as this other person tells it. So for the next couple of moments, I've got a quick video of a man by the name of. Um, well, I'll just let you hear his voice, and those of you that are a little older will recognize him right away. Go ahead and play that for him for just a second. was flesh, operating flesh. He told his
1: sister in a letter. Quote, I am nothing but a burden to my family. Really, it would have been better if I had never been born. He had been taken out of school as a youngster because he was what we would now consider retarded. Remember what I just said. He had been taken out of school because he was considered what we would now call retarded and had to be tutored at home by his mother. By the age of 22, Al had hit bottom. His parents, impoverished, were no longer able to support him. He needed a job, but nobody would hire him, and so in desperation, Al appealed to an old school friend, a fellow whose class notes he used to copy. The friend's father had government connections. And a few days later, Al was being interviewed for a position at the Federal Patent Office. Fred Haller was then director of the agency. He would conduct the interview personally. Haller informed the young man that he needed... Personnel capable of judging whether a request for a patent had any justification. What do you know about patents?" the director asked. And Al said nothing. Didn't know a thing about patents. The director arched an eyebrow. Under ordinary circumstances, he would have terminated the interview right then and there. Yet there was something, I guess, there must have been something intriguing in the young man's frankness. The director said, tell me a little bit about yourself. And Al forced a smile. What was there to tell? He'd been thrown out of high school at the age of 15. And with no high school diploma, college had been out of the question. So he applied at a technical school, but he flunked the entrance exam. So he went back to high school, a different one, actually, because his old high school refused to readmit him. This time he did manage to graduate. He was even accepted at technical school, and yet when potential employers subsequently discovered that he had cut classes chronically, that he had passed his exams only very narrowly, that he had treated his professors irreverently. Nobody would hire him. So Al had had the word loser written all over him. Now here he was in the Federal Patent Office asking for a job for which he was not qualified. But Director Haller was a very patient man, I guess. He'd heard all of the reasons why he should not hire Al. Now he wanted to hear some reasons why he should. And remarkably, that interview continued for most of two hours. And by the time it was over, the director had come to this conclusion. Al was not stupid. He had not been retarded. He was simply a failure. And if he were ever to stop failing and make something of himself, it would first require a large dose of self-confidence. From somewhere, he was going to have to get some self-confidence. So Director Heller decided to give Al a break, a probationary job as technical expert third class. Posterity's impressions of Al is larger than life. He was not inexorably destined to guide lesser minds through space and time. In fact, at the age of 22, he stood at the brink of utter uselessness. Until at long last, somebody took a chance on him and gave him a job at the Swiss Federal Patent Office. And inspired by his first unequivocal success, he eventually learned to live up to his best. And from that beginning became the incomparable genius the world knows as Albert Einstein. And now you know the rest of the story.
0: Yeah. I told you I couldn't tell it that good. Albert Einstein just needed somebody to believe in him. Just needed a good friend in a moment to unlock the potential to be one of the most brilliant minds of a lifetime inside of you is such great potential to change the world I believe what the scripture says about you that you'll heal the sick that you'll raise the dead that you'll cast out devils I believe what the scripture says about you there in Mark chapter 16 I believe as your pastor I believe that you don't have to live a mundane Christian walk where you just try not to try not to be bad I, I believe in the life that Jesus promised us that we could have life and life more abundantly I believe that you can be business owners that bring in millions and millions of dollars. I believe that one of your children are gonna come up with a cure for cancer. I believe in the greatness of God's sons and daughters. The question is, do you believe that you can kill a giant? Do you believe that God can use you to do something more than just come to services and hear messages? Do you believe, because I do, and our pastoral team does. It's the reason why we're the type of church that we are, that every member is a minister. It's the reason why we don't organize ourselves where you just sit and listen and do what we tell you to do, that we empower you to make disciples so that on that day when you stand before the living God, that you'll have something to show him, that you'll have someone that you've infected and affected their lives. Every one of us need someone to believe in us, and every one of us needs someone that'll believe, that we can believe for. I wonder how many people are living short of their full potential because you've never been encouraged to be an encourager to others. Because you've never known how to pull greatness out of others because no one's ever pulled it out of you. Let me tell you something. Until you kill that lion, until you kill that bear, bear, you'll never really be able to believe for the giant. Which brings me to my last piece on how biblical ways of developing courage Biblical sources of courage. Number four, write this one down, and that is dead lions, dead bears, and dead giants. It's really important that you understand that David had courage because he had had small wins along the way. And some of you have not had any wins. You don't have any W's. Or maybe they've been so far removed from you that you can't really remember them. You don't know the last time that you prayed for someone to come to Christ. You don't have any little W's. You got a lot of L's. And so you feel like a loser at times in your Christian walk simply because you haven't, you haven't stepped out there and got a win. You can't hit a ball if you're not in the batter's box. You can't score a touchdown if you don't get on the team. Wayne Gretzky, the great hockey player said, you miss hundred percent of the shots that you never take. So this church, there's so many great men and women. It's unbelievable that I get to do life with crazy cool people like you with such potential to change the world. But I can't can't make you a giant killer, but I can set you up to kill a lion and to kill your bear so that when your giant's there, you can kill it too. In fact, in this church, we have kind of steps for everyone to take your next step we call them the next steps you can see them on the screen right now first thing i'm begging and pleading for you to get out of your comfort zone and go ahead and make a commitment to jesus i will serve you lord with all of my heart i don't know what all that means i don't know what i got to give up but i will serve you once you've done that many of you in this room that's your spot you're there already But then the next step is, I wanna see you then get water baptized. You've never been water baptized. So I don't really, I come from a Catholic background. They baptized me when I was a baby. I didn't really know what it meant, but I did that. My family did that. Well, I wanna see you actually make a decision for Christ to where you tell everyone, water baptism is a public proclamation to the whole world I belong to Jesus and I will do whatever he tells me to do it's a it's a lordship surrender is what it really is it's not just that I don't want to go to hell it's that I give him everything I have all my money all my destiny plans all, everything about me I surrender that's what water baptism is. and so you come out of that water having died to your old self and you come to that new person in Christ that the Bible talks about you see the next step for us is we want to see you get involved in our grow track take that baby step and get in there and say you know what I don't really I've not been in a good church in a while i've come here a little bit but i'm not really sure what you guys are all about or what you really believe that's why we created a grow track so you could go through that and say i want to be a part of this group of people i don't believe the way that pastor believes so this is not the church for us great wonderful we only want you where you're supposed to be so you can grow to the level you're supposed to grow to then you'll see it for us the next thing is i want to get you on an encounter why because there are things that have attached to your life over the years demonic forces i want to break those off of you I want to break those curses off of you. Some of you, you're, you're the third generation adulterer. That's a, that's, a, that's a curse. We're going to break that. i right, got to get you out of an encounter because you know some of you don't have any power. And so here I am talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And you say that, you're nodding. And say, that sounds good. But I don't, I'm intimidated what that means because I've seen YouTube videos with these guys pushing them down. Hallelujah. And, and I'm not going to have that. No one's going to push me down and make me look stupid. Well, I wouldn't want to do that. I don't want that for you. I just want you to have the power that He promised. It's in the Word, so I want you to have it. And that's the next step for some of you. You're like, "Ooh, I'm not really comfortable with that." And then from there, once you are able to kill that fear giant, feel that bear, and you're faithful to it, then the next thing I want to see you do is get involved in a small group. Because once I get you doing life with other people, now you can really start sanding off those rough edges. Oh, it's easy to have an opinion while you're single. Get married. I thought everything I said was from God until I got married, and she's like, "That's stupid." I'm like, "What? That's brilliant. Why? Because when you come into a relationship with someone else, they're able to help sand off those rough things, and that's why we do life together as a church. God himself doesn't operate by himself. He operates as God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. They operate in a team. Jesus didn't just come to Earth and preach. He came and he developed 12 men, gave his life into these people. We all need to be a part of a team. And once you've been in a small group for a while, our next vision for you is that you take the next step and you actually begin to lead others in some kind of small group life. Why? You say, man, that's scary to me. I know you haven't killed that, you haven't killed that bear yet. But you'll never be able to, to, to lead a Fortune 500 company if you can't lead a small group of Christians. So see, well, I'm trying to step you. And that's why David said, I can go kill this giant. I can be king of Israel that was prophesied over me because I've been killing bears. and I've been killing, I, I, I killed the lion. And so this giant's going to be nothing different, king. Let me add him. Because the same God that saw me through with the bear and the lion, I, I, he's going to see me through with this old wicked Philistine. So you so you got to understand, because you haven't killed a bear yet, you're, you'll never actually, so it's a pipe dream to think about killing the giant. Which is a pipe dream to ever be king, or the full potential of who you're supposed to be? Why? Because you've not even put yourself in a position so that you can be faithful to what leadership has put in your life, what God has put you under, so that you can do those pieces and develop those. The whole time he's out there with those sheep, he's falling in love with them. Everybody else, that's a stupid job. Why would you do? It? Well, that's what my assignment is. I'm falling in love with it. And as he's doing his assignment, he get that gets attacked. He fights back. That 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 lion is killed. That bear is killed. So then, the moment that he stands on that battleground. He can say to the king, that one will die just like these other ones have. Why? Because he's had little victory, little victory, little victory, little victory. So that when the moment comes for him to be elevated, he's got the courage to do it. God has big things for you. Huge things. Things that were prophesied over you when you were children at the church you went to. And they've never come to pass. Why? Because you haven't killed your lion. And you haven't killed your bear. Because you haven't been faithful. Because you stepped, you keep stepping out of the opportunities of self-sacrifice. I'm just telling you, these are, I know these are deep truths, but hey, I figure before we get into December, let's go now. Because I want to raise up a group of men and women who literally are healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out, doing what the Bible said the body of Christ would be doing. That's who we are. That's who I want you to be. Would you stand with me quickly across the room? As you stand? Here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to kind of... Close your eyes for a moment. Kind of have this engagement with God. I get you to close your eyes and bow your head just simply so you can have a private space. And um, as, you, as you do that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to assume the position of engaging with God. And whatever that looks like in your, in your mind, if you, it, 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 to quiet all the thoughts of your mind. And here's what I, I want you to ask yourself. Have I been out of position to see the supernatural things that are supposed to be on my life. David, if he'd have stayed back at home, instead of bringing the sandwiches to his brothers, he would have been out of position. Have I been out of position and missed moments time and time again? And then, here's the next question. Do I lack courage? If God put me in a scenario where the things that I dream about were to happen, if I was standing in front of the CEO of a Fortune 100 company, and he was looking to start a new company, and someone had given him my name, What would I, would I even be prepared, would I have the courage to say, let me tell you something? I may not have this experience, but let me tell you what experience I do have. I've killed the lion. I've killed the bear. This will be no different. Give me a chance, sir. Give me a chance, ma'am. Give me an opportunity. King Saul held in the palm of his hand the ability to let David go kill that giant or not. He's looking at a 15-year-old who's never had official warfare training. He's never graduated from a military academy. As far as he knows, all he's got is a little sling. He doesn't know how to handle professional weapons. But something about this kid brought courage to this king. The courage came from the place of being with the Holy Spirit day in and day out. Courage came from the place of killing his bear, killing his lion. Today, I want to call forth the greatness inside of you. As your pastor, I want to call out the potential that's been locked away under fear and insecurity. I want to break loose the plan of the enemy to keep your mouth shut, to keep you from being the man, the woman that God intended you to be Just like that prophet had prophesied over David when he was 10 years old, he'd have never fulfilled that had he not been out there with the sheep day in and day out. He'd have never had the opportunities to kill bears and lions, which gave him courage to kill giants, which gave him courage to lead the people of God. Right where you're standing, I want you to take a moment. I want you to repent of the fear and insecurity that's gripped you in the past. Repent's not bad. it's good. It's to say, Lord, forgive me. I don't want to be like that. I don't want that anymore. I want you to call on the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh, baptize you afresh in his power. I want you to take a moment and respond to the word of the Lord out of this First Samuel passage. I want you to respond to it and say, Lord, I know there's greatness planned for my life, and I don't want to waste it. Father, I thank you right now for these amazing men and women that I get to be a part of their lives. And Jesus, I think back over my life and there were so many men and women who came alongside and they believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. They called greatness out of me. and Lord, that's all I'm trying to do today is call, I want to be obedient to you and call the greatness out of these, out of these men and women of God. Lord, I know Lord Jesus. I know that there's not this specialty group that's the elect believers who have more anointing than everybody else. Lord, I know. I see it in Scripture. Lord, I know that there's not these two groups. There are those who minister and those who just receive. Lord, I know that we're all, I can't get past it in Scripture. Every one of us are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every one of us are, car- every one of us are carriers, carriers of your Holy Spirit. And the same things that you did, your word says, greater works than these shall we do. And so, Lord, I call the greatness out of these men and women of God to not be stuffed down, blocked away in some box, hidden behind some prophecy from back in the day. But, Lord, I call them forward to kill their lion, to kill their bear, so that they can kill their giant. Lord, I call them into greatness. And, Lord, I rebuke the plan of the enemy to keep them intimidated, to keep them, Lord God, powerless. And I thank you, Lord, whatever they do for an income source, you're going to promote them. Then, Lord God, you're going to give them opportunity after opportunity to stand there and look people in the eye and say, let me tell you something, we won't do it that way. No, 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 we won't. I don't steal like that. I don't lie like that. We're not doing it that way. Father, I thank you, Lord, wherever they go, men and women will be attracted to them and say, I don't know what it is about you, but it's like the presence of God is on you. And Lord, may they, like David, Lord, go forward in their callings and may they change the world and rule in the righteous place that you've called them to. Now, if you keep your head bowed for just a moment, I want to give a last call for anyone that might say, Pastor, the bottom line is I'm not right with God. The Truth is, if I die today, I'm not going to heaven. I know it. Friend, i got such good news for you. You're here today. You're watching online with us. There's something inside of you that wants God or you wouldn't be here, and let me tell you what, He wants you. He wants you. In fact, the engagement of bringing you together is real simple. He says, if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You don't have to give money to the church to be forgiven. You don't have to go do a missions work. You don't have to give turkey out on Thanksgiving to homeless people to be forgiven. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart because the connotation there is that you surrender yourself to him, that you're repenting of your sins and confessing him as Lord and and turning your your life away from the old wickedness and turning towards him. And so today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready. I'm ready to confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart, but I want to confess Jesus as my Lord. I want to repent of my sins. Then would you let me lead you in a prayer of repentance? Would you let me lead you in a prayer of dedication no one's looking around every head is bowed every eyes closed you say pastor that's me Lead me in a prayer of repentance i'm ready to give myself to jesus if that's you would you lift your hand so i know who i'm praying for pastor pray for me it's time i'm ready to get right with the lord make sure i see you god bless you anyone else thank you for your hands anyone else give you a couple more seconds thank you sir yes ma'am two more seconds i don't want to i don't want to belabor the point amen you can put your hands down i'm going to lead you in a prayer prayer of repentance prayer of dedication In fact, I'm going to ask everyone in the audience to pray out loud alongside of you, those who lifted your hand. I just need you to mean it from the depths of your heart. I just want you to say, Lord, here I am. And the Lord will forgive you and cleanse you. He will accept you as his son and his daughter in this holy moment. So let's pray it like this. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I admit that I'm a sinner. And I recognize I've sinned against you. But here and now, I turn from my sin. I change my mind. I want to live for you Jesus I give you my life just like you gave me your life thank you for dying on the cross for me I ask you now fill me with your Holy Spirit write my name in your book of life I'm yours forever in Jesus name Keep your head bowed for a moment. Father, I pray right now that the peace of God would enter into that space that has been so full of turmoil and so full of frustration, Lord God. Today, Lord God, may they understand in their knowing of their knower that they may not be perfect, but they're forgiven. The prayer that they just cried out to in front of you, oh God, to you, oh God, you have accepted them and you are making them sons and daughters right in this holy moment. They can walk out of this room, get hit by a car and they will immediately be ushered into your presence where you'll wrap your arms around them and say, I love you, I love you. We'll spend forever together. Lord, I pray for strength. In the times of temptation, I pray for godly friends to come alongside of, Lord God, that they could have, Lord God, strengthening, Lord, in their weak moments, Lord God. They won't be by themselves. Lord, plug them in into a good church. If it's not our church, in another good church where they can find, Lord God, camaraderie in the cause of Christ. I bless everyone who made a decision today and say that they're yours forever. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Can we clap all that God's done today? So good.